Are we recording yet? Yeah. We are? Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your fearless host, Jay Williams. Joining me is your much more cautious host, Robbie Halim. <laughs> Fact. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. We were just talking about how I, have, I am not in the right space at all to do this podcast, and you look a few steps behind me. Physical space or mental, emotional space? I don't know. I feel like we're in the right, correct physical space. Well, we're in the correct this is phys- where the right. microphones are. Right, right. But yeah, your energy level. No. Well, my energy level is always in question. That's true. So that means I have to bring the energy level. And so what often happens right before the podcast is we're just sitting here going, what are we going to do? What? Do, how, what? And then I say, hey, are we recording? And and Robbie says, yeah. And then I just start. Correct. And then I get to see the deer in headlights look on Robbie. And I and we fly thinking, by the seat of our pants. Fly again, once again. That's a, that's a callback. It is. It's like episode 52. Seven. No, dozens of episodes no ago, idea. so yeah, nobody is remembering that. I have no idea. I know. I, this is like episode 100-something. I don't know. Remember when you had to say what number episode it was every time? I know. Those are the good old days. The good old days. I that, It just felt so good. It felt so right. Um, there's been a clamoring of people, uh, the teenagers clamoring, a grand, groundswell of teenagers who want me to begin sermons like a YouTube channel. For example, for example, like um, <laughs> I can't even do. <laughs> hey, it's your boy Pastor Jay. You're the hitting you with another sermon. Uh, before we get started, just want to remind you to smash that like button and hit subscribe, and uh, you know whatever. Blah blah blah. That's pretty good. And then, all right, let's get into it. Three things you need to know about the resurrection. One. Boom. Boom. <laughs> and uh, and then sign off like that. Okay. But anyway, uh, I'm not going to do that. No, I said that's probably for the I best. I said thanks, but no thanks. If I was in youth ministry, if I was Christoph, I might do it just for funsies. Yeah. It's your boy Jay. But if it if I did it here, everyone would just stare at me blankly because I oh, don't yeah. know that our crew is like subscribing to We're a lot. Not really of this. a YouTube crew. No, but I don't know if the I don't know if those uh, illustrations could fall more flat than the ones I used on Sunday, um, <laughs> so, especially yeah. during the second service. So we ended up posting first services message. So this was different that we had the two services again. Yes. And so it reminded me of two things. One, uh, then you have to choose which one you want to post. Yeah, that's hard. That's no fun. And number two, remembering what it was like to recreate what happened in the first one. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of preachers, and I don't know where you are in this, but there are a lot of people who um, the the more they preach the message, the better it gets. Hmm. And I am the exact opposite. Hmm. Almost without fail, it is always better right out of the gate and then afterwards. Well, yeah, that's really difficult because you, you so much of what you do is extemporaneous. So much of what you do is not, you know, is, is on the fly. And so to try to then reproduce that a second yeah. time, like then it's not on the fly. It's not just kind of naturally flowing out of you. You're you're trying you're, to remember. It starts to feel contrived. You're starting to remember <laughs> what you said. Like that's that's really hard. So what I get from this is you think that I sounded really contrived, like it. My the sermon was contrived. That's what I get from this. I okay, have, I should have anticipated well, hey, that and you, clarified. That'll wrap it up. Uh, if you need help with any, if you have any questions, anybody who like hits the back mail. thirty seconds button will be able to discern that I said <laughs> that's how you are feeling. Oh, oh, I don't remember that part, but. Yeah, so it was interesting. Like, so that's that's the little behind the scenes moment yeah. of what do you do when um, something falls flat? And I I'm someone that feeds off of 
people. Like I, I yes. pay attention to how they respond to things. And so when they, when something doesn't land, I'm looking at them going, okay, well that I did not expect. Cause they, cause all of my little illustrations and everything seemed to work really well at, at sunrise. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they were it, unexpectedly energetic at six thirty. Oh man, the sunrise service was so energetic because because those are people who were already up. They've been up for right. a couple hours. <laughs> like that's their. <laughs> that's probably that's, true. That's the irony, oh, right? The yeah. six thirty service is filled with people who have already been up for two hours, and the nine thirty service, like they just rolled out of bed that's twenty minutes so before they arrived. True. And it normally in a nine thirty. Now, I mean, normally our services are pretty energetic. Like our nine thirty, our regular yes. nine thirty right now is really energetic. So, um, all the morning people though were were already gone. Yes, two hours previous. Yeah, yeah. That's like their nap time. Nine thirty is like their mid. <laughs> that's their mid morning. It's like your lunch morning lunch time. For that's their lunch these. break. So uh, anyway, but illustrations aside, um, I did have some one critique from uh, one of my children who said, "Hey, it was a great message, Dad. You didn't really talk about the resurrection." And I'm curious. I don't know that that's a fair critique. I feel like the whole sermon centered around the resurrection. I don't know how often you used the word yeah, resurrection. That would be a lot. That's maybe a fair critique, but and I didn't read the account of the resurrection. That is also true. I just referenced the resurrection. Mm-hmm. I think I think that that counts. Does that count? Yeah. Okay. So you didn't is leave. There a, is there a quota of how no, I, well, often I didn't you know. need to mention? Like with Christian music and how they have to. Right. Yeah. No, I I just wondered. I wondered after when they when my child said that, I thought, huh, I wonder if other people felt like, oh, that didn't feel like an Easter service. Like that didn't feel like a Resurrection Sunday message. Oh, interesting. I, I mean, I, I mean, it's fine. I, I, I feel <laughs> like you, you hit the quota when you mentioned that the resurrection is the foundation of our faith and without it, there's essentially no Christianity. I felt like that laid a firm resurrectional foundation fair for the rest of the sermon so i got your back all right well so anything that we need to deal with or do we just point people back to the recording of the sermon and wrap this up the evidently the better of the two so if you came to second service evidently you should listen to it because i know you missed the good one i don't i I don't necessarily agree with that but that is i mean that yeah we've talked before um that is the trick. People underestimate how tricky it is to preach two times in a row because we're not just reading notes verbatim. Mm. Like we, we are communicating with the people that are in the room. And so right. there are, there's a different energy. There's different responses. Sometimes uh, if, if you see several confused faces, <laughs> then you feel inspired to restate what you just said in a more helpful mm-hmm. way or or provide a different illustration to bring some clarity. And so uh, if you didn't see those confused faces in the previous service, you didn't do that. And so there there is a difference. Um, and yeah, it's, it's hard that when you're being, when you're self-critiquing, trying to figure out, well, which one is better? I mean, that's, that's pretty subjective. And the reality yeah. is like, the Holy Spirit hopefully is active in that process and saying, well, this one was better for the 930 and this one was better for the 630. So, yes. Yeah. At the end of the day, who cares? So, <laughs> sorry. Right. The end About of the, the day, God's word will not return. Void right. It, well, yeah. I mean, people, the, people will be convicted. So I, yeah. you know, so there were things in that. I mean, things that I, there's always things that you wish you would communicate differently, but I'm curious, um, so one of the things I was trying to get at that I wish I had more time to do 
was just the very practical nature of what does this look like to yeah. actually put sin to death and raise with Christ in the resurrection to identify him. You know, theologically, we understand that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And in that is his life, death, resurrection. Like we are identified with him. He abides in us. We abide in him. We take on the life of Christ. There's um, all of this imagery that that points to these theological truths, that we exchange our sin for his righteousness, that we take on the righteousness of Christ. We are hidden in Christ. He is our, our refuge. All these different things. Through him, we have access to the, the throne of grace. Like there's, um, So we have a lot theologically, but I just find that it's such a challenge for people to live this out practically. Like, What does it actually look like? What's the difference? I know theologically what the difference is between um, trying to be a good person and then thinking Jesus just makes up the extra mm. you know, 20% boost that I needed. Theologically, we can all listen to that and say, well, that's obviously not true. Um, but practically and living it out, I think we often live in that way. Like we don't, we don't yeah. live fully in that. So would you, would you agree that, that sometimes the most difficult part is just reminding ourselves or convincing someone else that we're expected to live in a different way? Like we can read, as you were reading through Galatians 2.20, I was struck by how easy it is to read that and think, right, that applies to the moment of my salvation. That moment that, you know, I, I became crucified with Christ and now I live in him. And, and we view that as a past moment in time that I received salvation rather than seeing that as Paul saying, that is your identity now and the means by which you are currently living your life. Does that make sense? The, the, yeah. the distinction of that's the expectation of I I am living the crucified life. Or I think you, you, you said the, the cruciform life right now, and the life that I am currently living, I am living empowered by the resurrected Jesus. Um, to me, the first step is acknowledging I'm actually expected to live in that way, rather than just seeing that as right. Died with Christ, made alive with Christ. That's what happens when I commit myself to Christ and pray the prayer and become a Christian. And then like that point's done. Galatians 2.20 is now in the past and now we move on. I would say, I mean, yes, for some people, I think, I think it's the classic gospel is the third way. You know, Keller talks about that and that we have, we often find ourselves in, in a ditch and we think the answer to that ditch is the opposite ditch. Mm. And so by that, I mean, you have a crew that does believe fully that we are supposed to be different, but they try to do that in their own strength. And so that's when you get into legalism yeah. and yeah. morale, you know, moralism and, and these different things are, it's, it's about your behavior. And then people push back against that ditch and say, well, no, it's not like you're, it's all grace. It's all like God has mercy on you. Like you, it is all we live by grace. Mm -hmm. And so therefore it doesn't matter what you do. Um, and we fall into that ditch. And I think that crew ends up falling into the trap of in, in the, in the heavy emphasis of that we are saved by grace and that once God has us and once we are adopted into his family and that he will not let us go in the heavy emphasis of that, 
people have concluded, well, there then it doesn't matter what my life looks like from here on out because that ticket was punched. Um, and then, and then again, you have the the pushback to that of saying, no, it really does matter. We're called to be holy as He is holy, and then that ends up becoming defined by this list of rules and list of behaviors, and it becomes this heavy yoke that gets put on. Yeah. Um, but the gospel. Well, what Paul is talking about there in Galatians two twenty is just a completely different way. It's a it's a third way in that, where um, it's actually when the it's claiming what Jesus said when he says, "My yoke is easy and my burden is light." It's believing that yes, I am taking on the yoke of Christ. I am like yes. he is. I I am obeying. He talks all the time about obey my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. They will know that. Like he even says. Um, you know, that, that our, his love, like there's, there's even passages that it makes it feel like his love is dependent on us keeping his commandments, yes. but it's the idea like in John 15. Um, but the idea there is that like, it's flowing out of that. Like, you know, you are loved, you know, you are mine because you are being formed and shaped. And so it's, it's both. And it is, it is that, yes, we are, our lives should look different. Um, and that that new life should actually be a life of freedom, hmm. and it's actually um, it's it's yeah it's it's freedom. Um, it's not this moralistic kind of you know try to try to just make myself do the right things, and then what that usually turns into is make sure everybody else is doing all the right things. Right. Um, it's this living in power and in freedom. And that's the piece that I just feel like we both sides, then both, both ditches miss that one's trying to do, trying to live this mm-hmm. life in their own strength, trying to prove to God, I can do it. And the other side is just ditching that life altogether and just right. running because away. It from doesn't it. feel like freedom. It no. feels like an oppressive pile of rules and right. regulations and restrictions. Right. And, and God's not about that. And so therefore like, right. I, you know, and so i um, trying to like, lay hold to that. So I thought maybe it'd be good for us here just to talk a couple of minutes about what is, what does that look like practically then? What does it look like? And maybe look at some of these situations and then think, okay, well, what is it, what does it look like in the one ditch? And what does it look like in the other ditch? And then what is, what is actually, what does it actually look like to put sin to death and to uh, walk in, in the power of the resurrection? I mean, you, you touched on, this idea in the sermon um, uh, uh, having to consider whether or not we can have just a piece of the resurrection right. or whether or not we are living fully in the resurrection life. Like, can we just have just a little bit, like just enough of the benefit that I get what I need out of that, but it doesn't really like change anything or complicate my life. Uh, and, and we can't, we can't do that. Like, so in that sense, it is rather binary. It's it's all yes. it's all or nothing. Um, so there is there is no third way in that, in that sense. There's no compromise. That's the 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 Jesus is you're serving one master or another. Like you're not like a little bit following me, but mostly following someone else. And I'm cool with that as long as I have a little bit of you. That's that's cool. Like it's all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and. And, and so this idea of I can I can have just a little bit of resurrection life, uh, just enough to benefit, I feel like makes yeah. it worse. 
Yeah, it does. Well, that's that's what I would say would be the, kind of the first step is to realize it is an all or nothing proposition. So one illustration is popping in my head. Um, we'll see if it works. Is if if I presented you with an investment opportunity, um, and said, you know, hey, this is this, there's huge returns on this investment, and if you believed me and thought, yeah, that 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 does look like it, and I'm saying like there's guaranteed this is going to be a big return. You still are gonna, you you probably would look at it and say, all right, well, I'll I'll take some of this money, and I'll you know maybe I'll take maybe I even take half of my savings account or whatever and give that to you because I think it's worth I think it's worth a lot. But if I said, yeah, but you don't get any benefit unless you clear out, you have to clear out all your bank accounts. You got to liquidate everything. You got to sell your house. You got to take everything. It it doesn't. You won't get any of the return on this unless you put everything into it and that is a totally different type of feeling Mm. you know it's it's the treasure hidden in the field that the guy goes and sells everything he has because he has to have that field what's in that field is more valuable than everything he has it's not worth keeping any of his stuff and it's when paul says i suffered the loss of all things when jesus says you cannot serve two masters you um this this idea that it is all or nothing you don't get to if you try to hold anything back, then you, then like you said, it's actually worse, you know? And and if people say, well, how could that possibly be worse? How could a little bit of God be worse (laughs) than none? Well, you know, Peter says it would have been better if you hadn't even heard than to have heard the word of life and and to taste that and to turn back. So I don't know. That is a little bit of a mystery. Um, but there is a there's the illustration a lot of times people use of being inoculated to something like you know yeah. if anybody has ever heard of a vaccine or anything if you ever had any experience with mm. any of that um but there is this idea that you get enough there's a type of vaccine that you get enough of the virus to m- make you immune to it but not enough to, that it affects you and that's unfortunately you know that's a common thing in the yeah. american church that people get enough of it and so they think Okay, well, as long as I believe in my mind, I believe that Jesus is real and I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe he forgives me for my sins. Um, and then I basically just go and live my go and live my life. And mm. that is a dangerous place to be. Uh, mm. And and it's a enslaving place to be because then you just end up in this like no man's land of not really serving Christ and trying to live for yourself. But then what ends up happening? I mean, most of the time when people are in that situation, they pursue their own selfish desires, but with a lot of guilt. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was the, the, the two ditches that I was picturing are I have, I have just enough Jesus to either feel super arrogant about it and judgmental toward others, or just enough to feel self-critique and shame for not being what he what i think he would want me to be so i have just enough just enough jesus to feed the worst parts uh but not enough to actually heal my brokenness kill my sin and and experience the abundant life that comes from from walking in the fullness of the full surrender to what it is that he's actually offering us yeah so I mean, let's give an example because we talked we talked briefly about an example before the podcast, yeah. and I thought it actually ended up being a good one. Uh, it's I start- found it extremely helpful. 
<laughs> well, what people need to know is I was just processing the whole thing and was uh, throwing out like 28 examples and Robbie's just staring at me blankly. And then all of a sudden I hit on one. He's like, oh, that one. Oh, okay, good. So um, one out of 28 ain't bad. No. Oh, uh, so imagine, imagine a scenario where somebody says something to you uh, and something offensive to you. Maybe they get upset with you. Maybe they start, um, you know, getting angry at you. It could be a spouse, could be a coworker, could be somebody, some, could be a stranger, could be at your kid's baseball game, could be anything. But if they are, they're saying un, unfair things to you, they're being critical, they are um, getting angry with you. There's a moment of, of choice. There's a moment of decision in that, that what my flesh wants to do, I mean, I think all of us have been in the situation where what my flesh wants to do is put that person in their place. I want I want to say this harsh thing back to them. I want to I want to show them how well you're not seeing that right. Like I'm the one seeing this correctly and you you are actually the bad guy in this scenario or you're the one yeah. being unreasonable or you're the one that doesn't understand what's going on. Um it could be an argument over like political stuff that's going on and that and so I want you to be put in your place. That's the way of the flesh. The way of the spirit would be things like turning the other cheek, seeking to live at peace with everyone um, as, as much as it depends upon you, um, loving your enemies, praying for those who persecute you. So there's a way of, of seeking understanding of the person and, and sympathizing and having compassion in whatever they're upset about or their pain. The way that we often do that in, um, in a part way is like, well, there's the total flesh way that we would all say like, so if, if we just like let them have it, yeah. said all the horrible yeah. things, that's just pure flesh. And we would yeah. all look at that. If we had an example of that, most of us who've been in the church for a while, we go, ah, that's not, that's not the best, but there's a partial way of trying to experience the partial life, which be, I know I'm not supposed to just scream back at this person. I yeah. know I'm not supposed to just criticize them or insult them or anything like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to not do that. I'm going to bite my tongue and I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to it. Um, and then, but then what is, what happens in that? Like that, I only do that as long as number one, either as long as it works. Cause I don't know how many times I had people saying like, I wanted to say this horrible thing to them, but I didn't, I bit my tongue, but then they just kept going. Yeah. And so I didn't fix it. So then right. I abandoned it. So now I have to say now that. I have to say, right now I have to say it, you know, um, or I just do it. And if they keep coming, like it just keeps boiling over. So like, I've right. just, it's kind of like, kind of like when you have a pot that's boiling over and you turn down the heat a little bit, eventually, you know, if that heat is still raising it, it's going to, it might calm down for a second, but it's going to just keep, you know, building up. Yeah. But living in the resurrection would mean I, at that moment, I'm in that moment, I'm actually choosing the way of Jesus. I'm, I'm dying to that. Like my flesh that wants to put that person in my place, I'm actually dying to it. I'm not muting it. I'm not calming it down. I'm not tempering it. I'm actually dying to it. I'm getting, I'm, I'm killing it off. Like, I don't want that. Yeah. I want what Jesus has for me. I want peace. I want compassion. I want mercy. I want kindness. I want, um, I want understanding. I actually want those things. Like I'm going to live and that's living with Christ and the power of the resurrection. And and a lot of times what that looks like is just, okay, God, I know this is what I want. I want to want peace, 
Like I may yeah. not like fully want, but I'm like, yeah. okay, I want to kill this, like kill this desire in me to put them in their place. I'm not just putting it off to the side. I want it dead and I want peace. And what happens in those situations, I think a lot of us have had circumstances. If you've ever had that situation where then when I do that and I shift to that, and I'm actually then walking in the newness of, of Christ, doesn't matter what they do to me. I'm still at peace. Like I just keep, actually, I've been in those situations. I've been in situations where I bit my tongue and it's just like, I'm just trying to, Yeah. I, I still want that person to get put in their place, but I know I'm not supposed to be the one to do it or I'm not supposed to do that right then. But I've also been in situations where I've actually died to that and said, that's not what I want. What I want is the way of Jesus. And then it doesn't matter. Like the more someone can keep getting angrier and angrier and I just get calmer and calmer yeah. and I just get more at peace. I start to see things more clearly. I start to have more compassion. I start to be able to see, okay, you're saying a lot of ridiculous things, but I also see some hurt in there and I can actually speak into that. Yeah. Um, you know, all those different things like the demeanor changes. So that's a, that was, I feel like I, uh, we should have been recording it before the podcast. <laughs> Because that was like a, but how would you clarify what I said there? No, I, I think I think what's so important in what you said is there's momentum in both scenarios. Mm-hmm. In both scenarios, I am I am building in momentum in one direction or another, and and in one of them, I'm I'm building more and more momentum in my desire to unleash justice, right? To put you in your place, to correct you, to say all the things I'm feeling, to to make sure you know how how I feel so that you can feel corrected and you can mend your errant ways versus the other one what you're describing and what we have both experienced in moments is the momentum building the other way like it, you're you're not you're not being fanciful like you're being serious when you say you can get to a place where the more that person is throwing at you the more calm you feel like all of a sudden you 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 see their pain and you feel compassion rather than anger you hear their confusion and your desire is to help rather than to correct and put them in their place and 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 sometimes you can even see not in a condescending way but you can kind of see the ridiculousness of oh my goodness why would i let this get me so riled up and then that momentum builds and builds and builds toward peace and but we don't ever get there if we don't start from that that decision point of what what do I truly desire in this? Because in that first scenario where I'm trying to stifle down, you know, the angry response, that's because what I really want is to express my anger. I want, I desire to correct you and put you in your place. And so I'm having to work really, really hard to try to suppress what I actually want. That is revealing something really significant about my heart. Like my desire mm-hmm. is to is to unleash this anger. And so it's taking all of this willpower to not do what I really want to do. Versus if you flip that upside down. And what I truly desire is uh, is this is peace, is grace. Then then when the angry thought surfaces, it's like I, I don't. I don't have, <laughs> this makes sense. I don't have space for that. Like, right. I'm, like what I want, what I desire is this, is this other thing. Um, I, that, that is, I, I think that might feel inaccessible to some people. Yeah. 
Well, that's the supernatural part. That's the putting to death and the resurrection. Because if you say that feels out of reach, like how do you how do you just stop wanting this thing and wanting the other thing? Well, right, you must be born again. Right. That's why there's no simpler. There's no like. There's no seven steps to that. Now, guy, a teeny bit of the cross will never get you there. Right. It is only total surrender to that that you can even begin to start thinking that's a reasonable. Right, a reasonable hope because wounding wounding your sin doesn't work. <laughs> like it's just a yeah. flesh wound. Yeah. It's My just, sin can take a, a can take oh, a shot. Oh, can take such a shot. It's like a zombie in those minutes. Like okay. you, you cannot. And we just get fooled into thinking like those those controlling those biting the tongue and everything. Those are all our attempts to control and tame our sin. Our refusal because we and part of that is because we think. Well, what do we think in that situation? Well, if I put to death this desire to put that person in their place, well, then aren't I, aren't I giving into the injustice of it? Aren't I condoning what they're doing? Aren't I like, you know, encouraging them in that? Like somebody needs to tell them, mm. but that's not ours. That's God's. And, and when that correction is to take place, it is to take place in the empowered spirit led life where you love the person and care for them. Mm. And you are wanting to protect them from, from their own sinful desires. Yeah. And yeah. that's a very different thing than wanting to put somebody in their place. And so you have to confront that and say, no, that's, that's wrong. I need to put that, um, I need to put that to death and I need to live to this other thing. Mm-hmm. That's the miracle. That's the the work of the Holy spirit. I think God in his kindness though, gives us worldly examples that everyone has experienced of what we're talking about here. I was just thinking about you know, I think most people have had the experience of a vacation going wrong, like a vacation is not working out the way that you, you picture sitting on the beach in perfect weather and, you know, sipping on a drink while your children are playing, you know, building a sandcastle and you get to read a book and everything. But then you get there and there's 40 mile an hour winds or you can't find a parking spot at the beach. And then your kids, you know, are fighting with each other. And then the sand comes up and like, get sand all over the snacks that you're having and you're like all this stuff. I feel like I'm speaking from experience right now. Um, (laughs) It's just gone to Florida. It does feel very real, but all of us have this experience with it. And we all have the experience of like the first or the second thing that goes wrong. It being really upsetting and Mm -hmm. really like, no, this can't happen. Like I, this needs to look this way. And then there comes a point where you, it becomes almost comical. I think we've all had the experiences where everything has gone wrong to the point where now it's just funny. Yeah. And now you're like, you no longer are trying to control the situation. You're no longer trying to like make it perfect. Now, like everything that happens is just, it's just funny. And it just is adding to the story of yeah. like what you're going to be able to tell. Like, oh my gosh, then you, can you believe that this happened then? Then that guy came up to you and said, um, it, it, that's a, it's a, it's a little glimmer. It's a little glimpse. But when we talk about that momentum going in a certain direction, once like what's happening there in that weird vacation illustration is you've let go of something. Yes. You've let go of this idea of this is what's supposed to happen. And you're embracing now yes. the momentum of what's going on. And now you're immune to all of these things. And, and in a much more powerful way, this is what happens uh, like a, a more powerful and transformative way. This is what happens when you, when you let go of this, like, okay, my desire should not be to want to see this person mm. be put in their place or to see mm. them corrected and yeah. all of these things. That's not, that's not my desire. I want to put that to death. It is no longer who I am. I don't want that. I want the things of Christ. 
And then that momentum carries over because now you start to see all these opportunities to display. How do you display the grace of Christ except for in hard situations? Right. Like nobody, nobody looks at the, you know, um, you know, let's say you go to a restaurant and everything's perfect. The server does everything right. And the food is perfect. And you think the cook for it. No one looks at you and says, wow, look at all the grace in that person. Extraordinary person. Right. What an extraordinary, like, look at the mercy and the compassion. They thanked the chef for that perfect meal. No, I mean, like, sure, kind, you know, and, and grateful, like you might say, those kinds of things. But then you start to see, man, when it's when you get in those opportunities that that's where you have this big platform to be able to display this supernatural, otherworldly yeah. um, life of Jesus, which is what you see in the early church. Yeah, You see them living in the midst of all these circumstances and how Paul is content in all circumstances. None of those things affect him because it's not the thing. Yeah. The thing is pursuing Christ. And so, so I hope like... I don't know. I don't know if you can think of other situations. I mean, I'm just thinking of the personal conflict. I think about it with my children, you know, when they do something that's irritating to me, like, do I, am I just like tempering my frustration or am I actually saying, no, this isn't, I want to put that to death because, and then I might be left with, okay, I really do want to help them in this area. Um, Which by the way, by the way, that does show just putting something to death. We're talking about the desires it, it doesn't mean all the things that you are doing will not continue to be done. Right. So, so for example, if I idolize my family and I, and, and so I spend all this time with them because I, I um, kind of place my identity in them and the success of my kids or the success, you know, of my, you know, in these different things with them that to die to that is not to then say, okay, well now I no longer I no longer parent my children. Like, so I no longer correct them. I no longer teach them. I no longer, because I just, I'm dying to all of those. No, it's, you're dying to those desires of, of wanting to, um, basically wanting to be God or wanting to use them to your ends, you know, that they meet my every specific expectation, right? That they, that they fulfill my desires for affirmation and, respect and and those things those are the things that i'm dying to which then actually makes me a better father to them a more engaged a more involved father because i no longer am subconsciously using them as some sort of tool to accomplish my own ends but can actually love them where they are can be patient with them where they are rather than frustrated that they're not where i think they should be like not 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 only am I not disengaged from them as a result of that, I am further, more deeply, more compassionately engaged. Right. Like which which one does your if you know if you have children or anybody, do they respond better to um do they does a person respond better to correction or to considering other ways when we are um sarcastic and patronizing and angry or when we actually are seeking to understand and um and actually connect with them and show them that that we're on their side in this and then point them to something better i mean obviously that's but in the moment we struggle in that and that's what i'm saying in the moment to confront that sin and to die to it to call it what it is to recognize like these are sinful fleshly desires in me and i need to 
die of those and surrender all of this and then live to Christ. And it may be then that you actually still communicate like that's that it's out of that, that we can confront sin in a loving way. It's out of that, that we can um, point people to something better and share the gospel or, or, um, you know, just encourage people and challenge people and do all those things. But it's in the spirit of Christ. It's in this new life Mm. rather than my old, my old self. And that's something that we really need one another's help in order to do, because we can talk about these things in a 30,000 foot level. We can, we can give some practical examples, but it's so easy to say, well, yeah, but that's not my situation. So I don't know how to do that in my specific situation. And that's where we remind each other that all this needs to be happening in community because there isn't one simple formula that just walk through these steps and you're walking the crucified life. It's, it's as we are pursuing Jesus together, we are helping one another to do this. As you and I are, are sitting down and having a discussion about how we're parenting our kids, then we're helping one another say, hey, you know, that was that was really awesome. I'm glad that, you know, you're seeing fruit in that. Maybe think about this way that you responded um, or or asking one another for help in those things. We, we need one another. And so if we can help you in that, please don't hesitate to ask uh, as you're praying through and thinking through what, what are the areas where you're still clinging on to something that is not resurrection life or, or if there are aspects of your life where you say, yeah, I really just have been wanting a little dose of Jesus here, but I really don't want his interference, uh, in, in this, in a significant way. We, we are here to help you pray through those things, process those things and, and together, work through what what does it practically look like to put those things to death to surrender to christ and be able to experience the fullness of his life and his love so please reach out to us uh you can you can catch us right now at uh connect at faithpeshtigo.com you can grab one of us on a sunday morning uh you can accost us in walmart and ask us your spiritual questions we uh we love that we'd love to help we'd love to connect with you And in the meantime, grace and peace to you.